What's up? It's Raphael with NBA Draft Junkies, and today I have a special guest. If you watched my last video, I, I don't know if it was my last video, maybe in the second to last video, but I, I extended an opportunity for anybody that uh, follows my site to come on and talk draft and talk about their big board, whether they agreed with some of the selections I had or disagreed. I just extended an opportunity for a guest to come on the show and just talk basketball. I mean, I named the site NBA Draft Junkies because I felt like it could be a platform for all the guys that love the NBA draft like I do and come on and, um, you know, like I said, just talk basketball. So today, uh, my guest is Garrett Lucas. He is one of a few people that emailed me and he uh, came out with his big board. Very interesting, to say the least. I'm looking forward to hearing his his reasons why. So um, thank you for coming on the show, Garrett. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Raphael. Um, and I look at it as more of a, of a mock than I do a big board because I can't really separate some of the team's needs um, from the best player available. So with a lot of my picks, I'll get into it. Uh, but it's not necessarily who I think is going to have the best career, but I just – I think that they're going to be the best fit for that team. All right, let's go. Start off with number one, Minnesota Timberwolves. You have Killian Hayes. Explain to me why you have Killian number one. And before, before you get started, I'm really, really high on Killian. I think he's the best point guard in this draft. It's not the popular, popular pick. You know, everybody loves LaMelo um, number one. I think that LaMelo will go ahead of Killian just because, you know, the, the buzz around him. And, I mean, just like Lonzo went ahead of De'Aaron Fox, and I thought De'Aaron was the better player of the two. But, um, so, yeah, so tell me why you have Killian number one and why do you think he would be a good fit for the Minnesota Timberwolves? Um, so I feel the same way. I, I think LaMelo uh, ultimately is going to go ahead of Killian as well. But, so if I'm the GM for Minnesota, I'm looking at it like this. I can't draft – I can't draft LaMelo. Uh, I don't think he's a good enough shooter. Um, too many question marks there for me. I can't draft Anthony Edwards either because he's too close to Andrew Wiggins. And they just went through that whole scenario. So can't draft Anthony Edwards. And those seem to be like the two consensus, um, you know, top two uh, picks there. So for me, Killian, he's a little redundant, um, as I mentioned in my email to you, to D'Angelo Russell. Another big left-handed guard, but you can never have too many playmakers on your team. Um, so uh, I take the gamble here, and I, and I draft Killian, who I think has question marks as well. That, but all the prospects here have question marks. Right. Um, I do think he's probably the best uh, point guard in the draft. And um, I don't know. I think he can score at all three levels. The big thing that stands out with Killian to me compared to LaMelo is I think he plays both sides of the ball. And as someone that really values defense, um, you know, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the guy that, play, that tries on defense at least compared to the guy that doesn't always try. So, um, again, a little redundant because I've seen the comparison for Killian to D'Angelo Russell. But, um, but yeah, that, if, I'm, if I'm the GM for Minnesota, that's who I'm taking there. All right. Now here's where – it gets a little crazy. So <laughs> this is my hot now, take right here. Right, it's your hot take pick. 
And so I've agreed with this. And I and on one of my videos, I felt like this player would be the best fit for Golden State. And I mean, in my opinion, they would have had to trade down to get him, or they can get him, but I wouldn't have number two like you do. So, so yeah, so whether or not they take him at two or they can trade down and get another asset, let's say that uh, Detroit or New York falls in love with LaMelo, then you trade the pick down to seven or eight, you get another asset, and then at number two, who I really think would be the perfect fit for Golden State is Tyrese Halliburton. I, I'm a big Halliburton guy. Um, I think he can play the one or play the two. Good shooter, good defender, uh, good size for a lead guard. Um, but really, I just think he is the perfect fit for Golden State. Um, I think, you know, you bring him off the bench and he can play with Clay or he can play with Steph, either one. Um, but there were some stats from an article written by Jonathan Sharks of The Ringer that really, really stood out to me. So when Halliburton was playing for the under-19 World Cup team uh, last year, he shot 85% from two, 55% from three. He had a seven-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio, um, 2.3 steals. And that's when he was playing with guys like Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, so you pair him with two other Hall of Fame player level players in, you know, Steph and Clay, and I think he's going to produce that same level of efficiency. Efficiency, maybe not eighty-five percent from two, uh, but a super super efficient player. And Golden State is going to compete next year. So let's say that they do want to add a young prospect. They want to keep the pick. Um, they don't want to trade it. He's a guy that can come in and contribute from day one and be a part of a playoff uh, rotation, in my opinion. Yep. So I agree. And I was actually at those games, the under-19 games. The stats are true and they're accurate. The only thing I'll say – He didn't take a lot of shots. He didn't take a lot of shots. Yeah. I understand that. Well, the, to me, the only thing I would say why I would put like a little asterisk by those stats is because there was no competition for the U.S. in that tournament. They blew mm-hmm. everybody out. And – um, I mean, like I went to the game against, I don't know if it was Mali or Senegal. Um, I know they played Latvia. I was at that game. I was at the game against um, Russia. So they didn't have any competition. Like hands down, the, the second best team in that tournament was the U.S.'s bench because Jalen Green was coming off the bench. Um I want to say like maybe Reggie Perry was coming off the bench. Like they had by far the most the most talented team. So yeah, he did look good. I don't even think Kyra Lewis started on the team, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't think he did. But also yeah. if you look at his stats when he was um the leader for a team last year in college at Iowa State, he was still shooting over fifty percent from the field, forty yeah. percent from three. And um the NBA is, is about efficiency these days. Uh, how are you going to score as efficiently as possible? And again, I think if you add him to two of the greatest shooters that we've ever seen, um, it, it's just the perfect fit to me. Yeah, and for me, I think Golden State is the best fit for him. And uh, just because I've, I've been saying that he could come in and, and play the Sean Livingston role in a sense, 
except, right. you know, he's not going to post up or shoot mid range, but he gives them another ball handler, another good decision maker. And what Livingston didn't bring was outside shooting. So I think for him, fit and team-wise, that's the best. But I think he could also be a guy, if he goes to the wrong team, he can look bad in a sense because you have to pair him with another guard or another player that can attack the basket and get to the paint because I don't see him being able to get to the basket. I mean, to me, he's like a better shooting Lonzo ball. And one of the questions I do have about him is that he's, he's been, a, I know he's kind of young for his class. He's been in school for two years, but he hasn't been able to get stronger and put on much weight. And so I wonder with his frame, how much more bulk can he add on? But overall, I think that that's the best fit for him because he's not coming in and expected to be like the starting point guard. Like if he went to like a, a New York or something like that, or, or Detroit, he would be expected to start from day one. Then I think that's where some of his flaws can be exposed. But as far as like being like a connective tissue and glue guy that, that knocks down open shots, great passer and you know just kind of makes people like I said connective tissue I think that that's that's who he is it's just I hope he goes to a a team where he can be that guy as opposed to the pressure of being like the starter yeah like another place that I think he might fit well in would be Atlanta just playing alongside uh, Trey Young I think if he did go to somewhere like New York or Detroit um, do you want him to be your starting point guard from day one? Maybe not. Uh, that's why I do think, like I said, Golden State just seems like he could be the best fit coming off the bench and, um, you know, filling in some minutes playing with Steph or Clay. Yep, I agree. So let's go to number three, the Charlotte Hornets. So at number three, I have the Hornets taking James Wiseman. I think – if we had an NCAA tournament and had James Wiseman stayed in school, I think he's someone that would have dominated the tournament. I really do. I think he would have really, really um, made a name for himself. Unfortunately, the sample size we got was incredibly small. I do think that he has a very high ceiling still. Uh, His size, his wingspan, uh, the way he runs the floor, I think he could end up being the best player in this draft um, when we look back at it in a few years. Charlotte needs a big man, so pair him with Devontae Graham, you know, Rozier. And, and I think, again, this is another one where do I value big men as much as I do a wing player? Not really, but I do think he has star potential. And just the fact that Charlotte needs a big man, I think this is a good fit here. Okay. All right. So now at number four, Chicago Bulls. So at number four, I do have the Bulls taking LaMelo Ball. Um, Not a huge LaMelo Ball fan personally, um, because the way I look at it is if he does not develop a consistent jump shot, then what, what is he? I think in today's NBA, if you're a point guard and you can be a great passer, you can be a great rebounder. If you can't shoot, then you're a liability for your team. And um, 
I don't think his shot looks terrible, but the shooting numbers are what they are, what they were, you know, uh, when he was in Australia. And um, I, again, he's another guy that I think has a very high ceiling, and that's why I think the Bulls should take him here at four. They need a point guard. They need um, they need a, a lead playmaker. But if I were a GM, I would be scared to take Lamelo. That's how I honestly feel about it. The people that want him taking one or two, I don't. I don't see it. Um, I think that there's a much higher potential for a bust here than an all-star caliber player. But again, the ceiling is too high to to not take him here. I think so. Um, so I, I, yeah, that's what that's what I have the Bulls doing here is taking uh, Lamelo. Okay, I actually talked to someone who has a pretty good feel for what's going on with the with the lottery. And he had mentioned to me last week that he thinks there are a couple teams that are like, I hope the team in front of me takes him. So I don't have the pressure of taking him. So he, he said he knows there are some teams that don't want him to be available when they select because it may be a situation where the owner pushes for the pick as opposed to what the GM or the coach wants. So I can see that. I mean, I think Melo has a high ceiling. I'm not as high on him as others. I think, like you said, the shooting numbers, uh, he, he doesn't try to play defense. And I think if you took away the marketing aspect, if you didn't know who he was, if you weren't following him since he was 13 or 14, and he played you know, like in the EYBL and, or Adidas Nations or whatever, and he went to college, I think he would still be a top 10 pick based off of his talent. But I think there's this extra marketing thing that's going on and the buzz around him. And even like, you know, whether it's ESPN or The Ringer, they've done like these big profiles on him and it's going to get a lot of views. And I think they've kind of swayed the uh, yeah, it just kind of swayed the public in a sense as to kind of hyping him up because if you look at his numbers, they were they were they were good, but the shooting numbers were bad. His team was bad. Um, the one thing I will say that the most impressive stat for me about him was that he didn't turn the ball over a lot, as far as you know making bad passes. But if you consider early shots in the shot clock turnovers, then it's a little different because a lot of times he just took bad shots, you know, and not as bad as he used to take, you know, he wasn't shooting from like half court or anything like that, like he did at Chino Hills. But yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm with you hundred percent about, about Lamella. Like I, look, I look at guys like uh, Ricky Rubio in their first few years where another big guard who came into the league, and his strength was his playmaking, his passing ability. Never shot above 40%. I right. think you take Ricky Rubio and you put him in today's NBA. Uh, I'm talking about, like, rookie Ricky Rubio. And I don't know how long that player sticks in the NBA. Now, he's a much better – Ricky Rubio is a much better shooter now, but also another guy like Michael Carter-Williams, you know, just never developed that shot. And at least for Rubio, Rubio was a guy that came in and he played good defense right away. Uh, I don't 
see the defense with LaMelo. And so are you really going to be changing the game just based off of your playmaking and passing ability? Maybe, but I, I still think like those shooting numbers just scare me. They really do. So. Yeah, because you're going to have to make teams respect you in the pick and roll. If they're just going under, then you're not going to be much of a creative passer. And in today's NBA, the best passers are guys that can score because they, it unlocks their passing. And I think Rubio is a great passer. But if he were a better scorer, then, I mean, it's easy to say if he were a better scorer, he'd be a much better player. But his passing would be more lethal if you respected him as a scorer. But the thing about Rubio, and I have this discussion with some friends all the time, they call him a bust. They say he didn't live up to the hype. And I'm like, well, no, he's not an all-star player, but he, I don't even know if he's 30 yet, which is crazy, but he's been a 10-year starter. I mean, maybe coming up on 10 years. And if you look at his draft class, a lot of those guys in the lottery, maybe half of them are out of the league already. And the only guys in his class that are still starters in the NBA, I want to say Blake Griffin, DeMar DeRozan, Steph Curry, and James Harden. The rest of the guys in that lottery are out. And, you know, he's not on their level, but he's still a starter. And, I mean, even like Brandon Jennings was in that same draft class, if I remember correctly. And Rubio's had a better career than Brandon Jennings. Jennings has been out for at least two years. And Rubio... I mean, he's probably going to be Phoenix's starting point guard next year. He's going to be at least a 12-year starter at the minimum. So he's had a pretty good career, in my opinion. All right. So I kind of went on a tangent there. So moving on to number five, um, I had I agree with this pick. I had the same pick going to Cleveland. And you have Denny Avdia at five. And in your opinion, why do you think Avdia is a good fit for Cleveland? Uh, mostly because their Cleveland's backcourt is just atrocious at passing. Um, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, their score first guards. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're both good shooters, but Cleveland really needs playmaking. And so I think, uh, Denny's strengths are, would be to be that point forward. I think that's the that's the role he needs to be in. And in Cleveland, he gets to be just that. He gets to be that point forward for them. Um, surround him with shooting. Kevin Love, like I already mentioned, Garland, Sexton. Um, I think this is this would be a really, really good fit for him. So this is where I'm hoping he goes is to Cleveland at five. Yep, I agree. I'm definitely high on him. And I think that they need to do something with that backcourt. If they are going to keep them, then it's – so important for them to have like a big wing playmaker, ball handler, somebody that can initiate the offense. And because like you said, they're both shoot first guards. But I also could see them taking a center because I don't think Drummond stays long term. I think he's just going to opt in, collect his, I think he's going to make like 28 million or something like that. And then once free agency hits, I think he's going to go somewhere else. I, I just don't see him as a long term option for, for the Caps. Yeah, their front court right now is a little crowded just between Love, Thompson, Drummond. I don't see a lot of these guys being in their like long-term future. Yep. So, you know, if you if you don't see any of those guys being there long-term, then uh, Okongwu would be a great pick here. Yep. But um, but yeah, just like we like we mentioned, uh, some type of playmaker. If they are going to keep that backcourt together, 
then then you got to do something. You got to have somebody that can can break down an offense and uh, make people around them around them better. All right. Yep, I agree. So here's number six. So this is the lowest I've seen this player on any draft board, and uh, I, I want to hear you talk about Anthony Edwards and why you have him at number six to Atlanta. Yeah, so kind of like what we mentioned earlier, I don't think this player is actually going to fall this far to six um, because he does have such a high ceiling. But I have Atlanta taking Anthony Edwards. Um, my big thing with Anthony Edwards is, is he thinks he is a number one option, and I don't think he's going to be efficient enough to be a number one option. Now, granted, there's only, you know, 10, 15 guys maybe that are true number one options in the NBA. Um, and then the other guys, they need to be paired with a real number one. But I think Anthony Edwards, to reach his full potential, he needs to be paired with somebody like Trey Young that's going to have the ball in their hands, making good decisions. Um, someone that's not going to have to, you know, put the whole team on his back. So um, for me, Atlanta makes a lot of sense pairing him with Trey Young probably not going to fall to Atlanta, but if he did, this would be a great spot for him. Yeah. I, I have some question marks about Edwards, but like I do about every, every pick, I wonder for him, is it good for him to go to his hometown? Even though I have Okoro as, as a, a, a good fit for Atlanta. Um, but I just wonder like how will Edwards play as without being the number one option his, his whole career he's he's been everything has been based up around him so i'm curious to see how he would fit in Atlanta. even minnesota or, or another team where he wouldn't be able to really like dominate the ball and so i think like with him it's going to be important for him to go to a team where it's a good fit to where some of his bad habits aren't maximized or intensified and um atlanta i don't know it, it could go either way if he were to buy into that role of playing off the ball um and deferring to someone like trey young you know i guess that, that's a big if um but short term yeah. i don't think it would be a good fit simply because his catch and shoot numbers weren't good and he's going to have to play off the ball. Trey Young is going to have the ball in his hands. And off the top of my head, I want to say his catch and shoot numbers were like 27% from three or something like that. And then, you know, there's always the, the talk about his willingness to play defense. Now he has the tools. He has the physical tools to be a great defender. It's just, um, he's probably never really had to defend and if he doesn't buy into a role of playing off the ball or a role of being a defender, I don't think it really pushes the needle for Atlanta. I think, but if he does, watch out. They got a crazy backcourt. Yeah, and I heard you mention the stat. I also heard ESPN mention the stat before about how he's never been a winning player at the AAU level, high school level, college level. Um, so if he's smart, he's going to look at that and say, me as the number one guy might not be the best option. Now, is he going to look at it like that? Probably not. Um, but, yeah, again, if he were to buy into that role of let me just 
work as hard as I can on defense, play off the ball, cut. Um, this would be a crazy good fit in my opinion. But, um, you know, I don't think he's going to end up here anyway. So, yeah, I won't have to worry about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I did have people in my messages saying that he he won in high school and they said that he won a state championship or finished runner up. So, okay, I guess technically he did win, but the comp, he didn't win at a high level of competition. I know they played in some big tournaments because of his name, but his team just wasn't, wasn't that good. So I stand corrected on that. The comparison that really scares me for him is if he thinks he's that number one guy, and he's not efficient. He and he ends up being a Dion Waiters. <laughs> I know you're gonna say that, Kobe yeah. Wade. <laughs> That's what he, you know they say that he thought he was. And I can I can totally see, you know the, I could see a Donovan Mitchell best case scenario Donovan Mitchell type player, but I can also see Dion Waiters also. And I mean I've heard people say. He has some Andrew Wiggins in him. I don't. I don't know if that's a fair comparison in a sense. I think that he probably played with a little bit more intensity than Andrew Wiggins did at at Kansas. But I think Wiggins was projected to be the number one pick so early, and that everyone was in love with his tools that he was going to go number one regardless. And I even feel like if you look back, he wasn't even the best player on his team that year at Kansas, which, you know, it, maybe it's different if, if Embiid didn't have the, the foot issues uh, going into the draft. But Wiggins is going to have a, a long career. I just don't think he's ever going to be that number one guy on, on a winning team. And he may end up winning championships with the Warriors because he's best suited as a, a third option. So. Yeah, and I feel similarly about Anthony Edwards as I do about LaMelo, is if, if I'm a GM, I'm hoping somebody in front of me takes him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be thrilled to be drafting Anthony Edwards. I, I see a lot of tools. I see a lot of athleticism. And I see a guy that wants to be a number one option that really should be, again, just, just a number two, number three, uh, in doing everything else. Um, to try to impact the game, but I don't know that he's willing to do that. All right, moving on to number seven. So at number seven, I have the Pistons taking Isaac Okoro. Um, one of those guys that can just do it all, but like a lot of guys in this draft, the big question is just the shooting. And in the NBA, you got to be able to shoot the ball. Um, but the way I'm looking at it is Detroit, they really need a point guard. I just don't see any point guards that are worth taking at number seven that would probably be left. Um, so I'm, I'm taking the best wing player available. And to my, in my opinion, that's Isaac Okoro. I could see him and uh, Dumboya. I could see them being like, uh, you know, if they were to reach their ceiling, something like a Siakam and Ananobi. If neither one of them learned to shoot, they could be like another pair of Raptor players and Stanley Johnson and, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Wow. So um, <laughs> that's a big gap. Uh, I, I do think Sekou has, I know Sekou. I was at his pro day last year and he shot the cover off the ball. 
Really? And he yes, he shot lights out and he has a, a effortless shot. It's just a matter of the reps. If he just continues to put in the reps. And he showed flashes this year. He he showed flashes this year. Oh, he's super talented. He's just young. I mean, I think there are guys in this class that are older than him. He was he was the youngest player last year. I want to say he just made the 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 minimum deadline. It's kind of like Pokashevsky. He just made the minimum age requirement. So yeah, I think the future is bright for Sekou. He just has to um, put in the work. I normally see him around in the summertime, so I just haven't seen him this summer because of what's going on. He usually spends his summers in Dallas. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's a wide gap. But I never thought about that comparison, but it does make a lot of sense. But I also feel like, and I'm thinking about doing a piece. I may do it sometime within the next couple of days. I think that Lugans Dort has helped Isaac Okoro's draft stock because we saw how good of a defender Dort was just with his, his strength and how he can move his feet. And even though if you look at Harden's numbers outside of game seven, he put up efficient numbers and he got his points. But just the effort that Dort played with, I mean, fighting through screens, he just made life tough for Harden. And then at the last game seven where he had like 30 points and he was knocking down shots, obviously I don't think that's going to be like the norm. But if he could just make 33, 34% of his threes going forward, he is a guy that's going to get paid a lot of money. He's going to be really, really valuable for teams. And so I think if I'm a general manager and I see what Dort did in the playoffs on that stage, I have to look at Okoro and say, this is, I could get a better version. And I think Okoro is a better playmaker. He has, you know, he's a better source like ball handling, making plays for others. But all of that won't be maximized until he improves his shot. So, yeah, I mean, I have Okoro going to Atlanta. I think that would be the best fit for him because they they need another defender. And he would make things a lot easier for Trey Young. But, yeah, I mean, I, I like Okoro. Like I said, I think um, I think his stock is going to go up just based off of Lugan's Dort, which his stock was already high to some anyway. But for those that may have kind of doubted, what he could do on the offensive end because of his shooting. I think, um, like I said, Dort may have changed a few people's minds. Yeah, and I've seen the comparison with Okoro to someone like um, Justice Winslow, who, you know, he, he's gotten better as a shooter, but he can just impact the game in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, anytime you can add a wing – uh, that defends at the level that Okoro does. I think you take the gamble and you hope the shot comes around. Um, but yeah, I, also like, like you mentioned, the playmaking is there uh, yeah. as well. So I, I can see him having a long career in the NBA. Yep, I agree. So now here is number eight. And I know Knicks fans give me a hard time and I, I kind of go back at them on my, on my account. It's just because there's so many of them and they're the most aggressive at telling you they like or don't like their pick. So, but the guy that you have them taking at number eight is someone that surprisingly they like, at least, you know, just the, the people that are following me on social media. So can you tell, tell the people out there who you have at number eight? Yeah. So I have the Knicks taking Devin Vassell. Um, I didn't know if this would be a pick that they would like. I would expect that they would want somebody like LaMelo, a bigger name. 
Um, I think but, they're assuming he won't be available at seven. So yeah, I think yeah, that's sure. why Vassell is kind of like. Sure, yeah. Um, Devin Vassell, I saw in one of your videos that you said he was one of the safest picks, and I agree. Uh, just um, a, a great shooter, 3 and D player, um, slides in perfectly next to R.J. Barrett. I just think whoever they take here, they have to take somebody that can shoot the ball, right? Because if Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett are two of your pieces that you uh, see being a big part of your foundation, and then you add in another guy that can't shoot, well, that's three people on the floor that wouldn't be able to shoot. So adding Devin Vassell here, again, great defender, um, has proven that he's a good three, a reliable three-point shooter. I think this is the safest pick. I don't think the Knicks can uh, afford to mess up another draft. They need to get someone that they can rely on and – Devin Vassell would be a great pick here. I really like Vassell as a prospect. Yeah, I think he would be a good fit there. I had him taking Toppin just because uh, um, I don't I don't know what their long-term plans are for Julius Randle. But I will say, I guess I got a little insider information in a sense because I've been to Julius's workouts, and he's been working on this three ball. He's been shooting the ball well. I mean, he's been spending a lot of time working on his range. I want to say I saw him, he had to, he's been having to close out his drills, making 40 out of 50 from the corner in order to uh, to move on with his drill. So I think that he's going to be a, a better three-point shooter this year. Um, but saying that, I don't know if you've seen like the Mitchell Robinson, like videos that are on like social media from this summer. They're yeah. hilarious. And <laughs> the reason they're Don't hilarious me. is he's not that? a three point shooter, too, is he? Oh, man. He's playing guard. He's dribbling behind his back five times like James Harden. He's shooting step back threes. It's all like, <laughs> it's all these different guard drills. And I'm not against anyone expanding their game. So let me put that out there. But he's playing in like this high school gym. It doesn't look like there's anybody on the court with him that. <laughs> that are high high caliber players and and also it could be clipped funny it could just be whoever is editing the video is taking like one or two plays and and putting it out there just for laughs and giggles on social media but if this is how he's training and how he's playing then I could see where once he gets into training camp the coaching staff is going to have to be like, no, 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 that's not who you are. <laughs> <laughs> you get down here and you rim roll, catch lobs, yada, yada, yada. We're not running plays for you coming off pin down, shooting threes or running pick and roll. So yeah, he's um, like 70% from the field. So he might as well just play to his strengths. But uh, again, you got to, you got to surround him and RJ with some shooters. Yeah, um, definitely. Well, I, I, uh, I think they're going to get, someone in free agency. I keep saying it. I mean, whether it's Van Vliet or some type of trade, I, I definitely think that they're going to get a big time player within the next, if it's not this, I want to say summer, but summer's pretty much almost over. This is, you know, a weird year, but I think they're going to get someone soon. And um, so, like yeah. It, but Van Vliet feels like the player that's going to get overpaid. I don't know. I think Toronto does a really, really good job of maximizing players' potential. And 
I can just see New York overpaying for him. Um, that wouldn't be – he's a really good player. I do like Van Vliet. He's just not the guy that I would – I mean, what kind of money do you think he's going to get this summer? He's going to get a lot. <laughs> well, depending on the whole cap situation, 20, 25. See, the thing about Van, Van Vliet is this. This is how I feel. If he wasn't an undrafted guy, and he let's say he played the way he's been playing, but he was a top 10 pick, would we view him differently? I think in some cases we still kind of see him as a guy who, oh, well, like you said, Toronto may have maximized him because of their system, because they've had success with, like, you know, guys like Siakam and even the kid um, Davis this year, guys that weren't highly regarded and they've turned them into really, really high valuable players. So I think all of that is valid, but I also wonder if let's say a Cole Anthony has the same exact stats and production going into a free agent year as Van Vliet, would we have the same questions because Cole Anthony was someone who it was already in our minds coming into his professional career, or, or I'll just say maybe we had expectations of him doing this. So that's just one of the things that I wonder. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't hate it if they signed Van Vliet. He just, that's just kind of been what I've been thinking is that seems like the, the type of player that they would target because they do need a point guard. Uh, but Somewhat similar to like when the maybe a slightly different situation, but when the Grizzlies re-signed Mike Conley, and I'm like, mm -hmm. Conley's a great player, but you know, what's what's your team's ceiling when you're paying Mike Conley 150 million or whatever he got that summer? Uh, that's just not where I would spend my money. Well, and I, I think at that point they kind of had to just because you know his relationship with the city of Memphis and. Well, Charlotte passed on Kimba. Yeah, they they definitely did that, and they thought they could get similar production. Um, but I think the difference between Kimba and Conley was those Conley teams went to like the Western Conference Finals. They they were more successful. While with Kimba, they never did they even win a playoff game with him there. And it's not it wasn't his fault by by any means. I mean. You know, the drafting of Cody Zeller and MKG and <laughs> Frank uh, Kaminsky definitely uh, played a major role in why Charlotte wasn't successful. But I think that's the difference is Mike Conley's teams won. They were more competitive than Kimball Walker's teams. And so, and then maybe they knew that Devontae Graham was this guy. <laughs> maybe. I, don't, I don't think anybody knew Devontae Graham was this guy. <laughs> maybe they knew um, because, I mean, they got a lot of bang for their buck on the Devontae Graham deal. And then they turned around and screwed up and gave uh, Terry Rozier way too much money. Yeah. Yeah. That. <laughs> Which, and you know, a lot of people want them to select Melo if he's available. So that'd be interesting to see how that plays out. I, I don't, I don't like that pick at all, but that's just me. Again, I, I already stated how I feel about Lamelo. Yep. All right, number nine. Okay. <laughs> so this, this so, pick is, is, is funny because I'm reading your, and, I, and I'll let you describe it. And what, the first thing I thought of when I heard this pick, I was like, 
what about defense? So who do you have <laughs> the Washington Wizards selected at number nine? Well, that's because Washington, they don't, they don't know what defense means. Um, so I just say go all, go all in on offense and select Obi Toppin. Obviously, the knock on him, everybody knows, is they're worried about his defense. Um, very efficient player, great offensive player. Can't, probably not going to be able to defend very well at the next level. Um, so I, I do have them taking Obi Toppin. And I think a team with, you know, Wall, Beal, Hachimura, Toppin, um, that could be a dangerous offensive team. And they would also give up 130 points a game. But Which they did you know, this year. <laughs> Almost. Yeah, well, 120. They did this year. Um, but, again, uh, you know, let's just try to – run the floor, be the best offensive team we can be, and let's take Toppin. Now, again, a player, according to my mock here, that has not been taken yet is Okongwu. If you did want to take somebody to strip things on the defensive end, he would be a great fit here. But uh, um, in my mock, I do have them taking Toppin. So in your opinion, is Hachimura a three? I, I, think, I think Hachimura can, can play the three. Yeah, I think okay. he's athletic enough, so. Okay. All right, number... 10. So this is the highest I've seen this player. Yeah, so uh, Sadiq Bey, I have the, um, the Suns taking him at 10. And very similar to me to Mikhail Bridges. Um, might be able to play make a little bit more. Yeah. But again, just another 3 and D player. I think he's somewhat similar to Devin Vassell to me in the sense that he can slide into any situation and do well, I think. Plug and play. Um, yeah, maybe maybe play the three, maybe play the four. Um, I think he's just a really smart, high IQ player, and this would be a perfect fit for Phoenix. Yeah, I, and I would think that he would end up being the, the four man in Phoenix. I'm hoping that he doesn't go that high. I'm a Blazers fan, and I think Portland needs him, like really needs him. So I'm hoping he falls to, to Portland, but – yeah, I don't think this is a bad a bad fit for Phoenix. On my draft, I have Phoenix selecting Cole Anthony. I think that he would uh I mean he may not start his rookie year, but I think you groom him under Rubio and I think he could be an instant offense guy off the bench. I think he can play with Booker because he's he's good at off the ball. And then also you can say that, you know, he may end up being the player that we expected him to be. But, you know, if he's healthy and he has some floor spacing, so. So do you not think that campaign will be coming off the bench to back up Rubio, maybe? No, I don't think that you're going to pass up a a lottery pick for Cameron Payne because he played well in the bubble. I mean, I'm hoping Cam sticks. Um, but I just don't know how you could sell. If you're looking for a point guard, uh, a backup and yeah I just don't know how you can say well we're going to go with campaign long term and and he actually even may have put himself in position I don't know his contract I don't think he signed anything long term or has a, a player team option but he may have put himself in position to to make a little bit more money who, who knows or but yeah I mean I think with Phoenix if you select Bay, then I mean, I guess you're probably don't think Sarge is in your future. I'm not a huge Sarge fan myself. Mm -hmm. um, he seems like he just hasn't 
gotten better since his rookie year. Yeah, he does seem like one of those weird players that's almost regressed some. Um, but he seems yeah, like I, a guy that will end up in San Antonio and become like a factor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is he a free agent this summer? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. But speaking yeah, of San Antonio, yeah, so number 11. So this is a guy that I definitely don't see falling to 11 either. Um, a guy that I'm really high on, but I have San Antonio taking Onyeko Okongwu. Um, great defender, nice touch around the basket, solid rebounder. Uh, just seems like he would be a great, you know, fit for pop and what San, San Antonio does. Uh, I really, really like Okongwu a lot. And I think I mentioned in my email that I think that he could be a guy that in a few years were like, how did he fall to 11? Similarly to how uh, Adebayo fell to the heat in the late lottery. So um, I'm thinking he's going to go a lot higher, but just kind of the way everything kind of shook out, I had him fall into 11. And I like the fact that you said that because – there are guys that are on my board. I have them high, but when I kind of make my list and it's like, dang, he fell. How do I get this guy up? And so I know on my next one, I'll do my 3.0 probably within the next month or so. There's some guys that I think are going to move up, which is also weird because they're moving up based off of what? Not like I've seen them play yeah. or anything like that. It's just a matter of, this class is going to be the most overanalyzed ever because you have, since the season ended, what, when did the season end? March? So April, May, June, July, August, September, October. You got like six or seven months of just watching the same film over and over again. And it's going to be a matter of you trusting your, <laughs> trusting your opinion and not swaying. So yeah, I, I could see how, um, you have Okongu higher on your list than where you haven't been selected on this on this uh, this uh, mock that you made. Yeah, if I were a GM and I was looking to draft a big man, I would have a hard time choosing between him and Wiseman. Uh, I don't know how Charlotte feels, but they seem to definitely be like the team that will be in the market for a big man. And uh, – I had them taking Wiseman just because I think Wiseman has a higher ceiling personally. Um, just that wingspan and that height and the way he runs the floor. Um, I had them taking him, but they could very easily take Okongwu at three. That's what so, I have them taking. And it wasn't yeah. popular amongst Hornets fans because they want, <laughs> they want LaMelo. And I mean, they sent me long emails of why Jordan and Financially, it makes sense for the heart for the Hornets to select Lamelo, and I get that part. But I, uh, I'm just I, I would go with Okongwu. All right, so number twelve, the Sacramento Kings. This is a tough one because you know you look at the Kings roster; they didn't make the playoffs. Even though I felt like they were playing really, really well before the season ended. I mean, I think they were one of the hottest teams in the league. And then they weren't able to carry that momentum over into the bubble. But you imagine their starting lineup is pretty much set outside of center. You figure it's going to be Fox, Bogdanovich, 
um, Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, even though I think Bagley maybe should be a five, Barnes should be a four. Um, and then, you know, Hild, as based off of today, Hild is their sixth man. And so finding a player that could come in and crack their top eight rotation that's not a, a five, in my opinion, was, was a little challenging. But you have them taking Aaron Neesmith here. Yeah, so Buddy Heald has made comments. It doesn't seem like he's thrilled with his role uh, coming off the bench. And so if you were going to replace that shooting, Aaron Neesmith is the guy. Um, he is a lights out shooter. And um, I feel like that would be the easiest way to replace that production that Buddy Heald offers. So Aaron Neesmith is number two. <laughs> a lot cheaper. Yeah. Probably like um, 10 years. I'm joking. Not 10 years younger, but <laughs> close. Buddy Heald is like the. <laughs> Oldest player I've ever seen to start the first year of his second contract. I mean, he's got to be like 28, maybe. Or he will be 28 when the season starts. And then you look at Devin Booker. He's probably like 24. I'm just talking off the top of my head. Devin Booker might be 24, and he's like in the second year of his – maybe even going into the third year of his big contract, which is so weird to me, but I digress. Yeah, and I've heard – Bill Simmons from the ringer kind of throw out that Atlanta should trade for Buddy Heald. Uh, I do think Buddy Heald is going to end up getting traded this summer. So that's why this pick here makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I do think Neesmith will, will be a, a long time NBA player. I think he's going to have a long career because uh, shooting is a premium in the NBA and, and he does it well. He does it really well. And he shoots off movement too. So I think so. Also, I've heard rumors about Buddy Hill. I heard uh, a trade maybe to Dallas because um, he lives here in the offseason. But I think they would have had to put Tim Hardaway Jr. in that trade to make it work. And I like Hardaway Jr. for Dallas. Um, yeah, I can't think of a, a really good scenario for Buddy, but Philly. And you package him and whoever in a deal, whether it's Simmons or Embiid. I mean, I think Ben Simmons would be a dominant five man if you put him in a system where he can still play the way he does, but he just have him at the five. But anyway, that's that's a whole different story. But yeah, I, I think Hill would be um, he'll be gone, and um, I had them taking Halliburton. With, with my pick uh, and, I, and I just did it based off of, even if Hill is there which I think he's gone I think Halliburton could play with with Fox he could play you know if Fox is out then you could slide him in at the one he could play with Bogdanovich or whatever I thought he would be like this connective piece that the Kings don't really have in in their offense all right so moving down to number 13 and this was similar to Sacramento, you figure their top five rotation guys are pretty much set. You would go with, uh, based off what we know right now, Holiday at the one, Ball at the two, um, Ingram at three, Zion at the four, Jackson Hayes at the five. So I was like, well, what rookie could come in and start for this team or at least crack the top seven rotation? And so, But you have Josh Green. So why do you think Josh Green would be a good fit for New Orleans? 
just another three and D guy. Um, I think, you know, if you're building around Zion, you have to have shooting. Uh, uh, I see Zion probably being the best as a five. I agree hundred percent. Yes. So if you want to maximize um, that roster, I think you need to put defenders and shooters around Zion. It's that simple. And Josh Green, um, he projects to be a, a pretty good three and D player. Another guy I thought of here is uh, Desmond Bain, um, who is also a, a really good shooter as well. But um, being the, the younger prospect, I would roll the dice on Josh Green here. Okay. So I think Zion is a five, but I think he may be kind of tough to build around in a sense, because I think unless you could put him with the, if you want to keep him at the four, then you may need to put him next to a five that stretches the floor. Like a Brooke Lopez. Like that's a Brooke Lopez type. That's why I really didn't like the Jackson Hayes pick personally. I like Jackson Hayes as a prospect, but you know, like I said, I see Zion more as a five than I do a four. And I think Hayes is only playing the five. Yep. So you just drafted two guys in the lottery last year that are fives to me. So didn't yep. love that pick, but um, they've got some nice young players. I like, I like Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, I know he struggled a little bit this, this year, but I'm still high on him. Um, and I think Josh Green would be a great addition to that team. Yep. All right, now to round out your lottery, it is the Boston Celtics. It is the first of their three first-round picks. Yeah. And this is another situation where, I mean, the only position you can say a rookie could come in and – probably earn a lot of minutes right away is at the five, uh, which I think if Robert Williams decided to ever put it together, they wouldn't have any issues about, uh, you know, their size on their front line. But um, then obviously, you know, you, you feel like they're set on the wing positions with Hayward, Brown, Smart, Tatum, and then, uh, you know, Romeo Lankford is kind of, you know, trying to, get some minutes in the rotation. So the only position I felt that they needed outside of a five was maybe a backup point guard. And that looks like that's the direction that you had them going in. Yeah. So I had the Celtics taking Cole Anthony here. Um, not a player that I'm super high on, but I believe Wanamaker is a free agent this summer. So yeah. they are going to need a backup point guard. Um, I think he's somebody that could come in and really learn a lot from Kimba Walker. Um, I know he struggled at North Carolina. That team didn't have a lot of talent, and maybe he was having to take some shots that he wouldn't have to take in Boston. Oh, he, he was going to take them. <laughs> no, I just feel like – not to cut you off. I just feel like uh, those bad shots, he, he was going to take those shots. I think the biggest difference is – his finishing at the rim, those numbers were pretty bad, but I feel like it was impacted by he was on a team that had absolutely no, no floor spacing. Yeah, um, and there would be more floor spacing for him in Boston if that were where he landed. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, a lot of this pick is based off of what he did in high school and AAU than it is based off what he did 
in college. Um, but he's definitely a guy that can come in and score a lot of points for you um, off the bench. And I think this would be a perfect role for him um, going to the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I think it could be a good fit. I mean, I think that it could be one of those situations where he ends up falling to a team like Boston, and then you're like, dang, how did he? How did they end up getting a star yeah. at, at number 10? Um, or not, not number 10, I'm sorry, number 14. Because if the reason why he did struggle was based off of you know, him being hurt and then the team that he had around him in North Carolina, and then he ends up being the player that everyone thought he was coming into the draft, then Boston is, man, they're even more dangerous. And it would definitely make Danny Ainge look like a genius. <laughs> if, but I could actually yeah. see somebody falling to them that um, could end up, you know, being – a good situation. Well, I put it like this. I can say I wouldn't be shocked if they end up with like a, a Cole Anthony or, or someone like that that comes out and plays well. Or I wouldn't be shocked if they end up with a guy that just cannot crack the rotation at all. And just because they're they're in position to win now as opposed to really, really like develop and allow you to make a bunch of mistakes. So I can see it going either way. Do you think Boston might try to package their picks and move up? Definitely. Definitely. Like, one, I don't even know if they even have the roster space to add three rookies, you know? I mean, most I of them. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that, um, yeah, I think that they can move up. And then at the minimum, they may trade back a few years. But I think, like, if they really, really wanted to get sized – think you can add Dwight Howard or Hassan Whiteside for a little bit of nothing this summer I don't think those guys are going to get big deals that's just if you want size um uh, even if they probably won't happen because of the last deal that they did and and they've been playing but if Boston decides like you know we want to take a shot at Embiid I think they could probably maybe throw in like a, a, a Jalen Brown and three first round picks and um, you know, maybe something that could entice Philly. Who knows? I'm just kind of. You really want to talk Sixers, don't you? What's that? <laughs> I said, you really want to talk Sixers, don't you? Yeah, man, I think they have to make up. They have to do something with that roster. They have They're to. an intriguing team. I think that's the team everybody wants to talk about right now. Uh, to your point about, trying to trade Jalen Brown. I guess maybe I'm higher on Jalen Brown, but I, I would never trade put Jalen Brown in a trade for Embiid. I, Embiid, he has just not shown that he's committed to going all in. Um, obviously, an amazing talent. Before the season started, he, talking to, he talked about being MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, but the effort on a nightly basis has not been there. And uh, outside of that, just injury concerns, he's – for me personally, he's not a player that I would trade for unless I was maybe someone like Golden State. Golden State makes a lot of sense to me yeah, uh, as a landing spot for Embiid. If they could package something like, you know, even Minnesota's pick next year, this year's pick, Andrew Wiggins. I don't, I don't know what that trade would look like, but Embiid to Golden State 
that can make sense. But other than that, there's just not a lot of places that I would trust that he would land and uh, reach his full potential. Well, I think he's going to be a player that reaches his potential on his either his second team or his second coach. I think that um, going out in the in the first round and yeah, I just think he's it's finally going to click for him. Even though some people may have said that they thought it, it would have last summer going into this season. But they also kind of had hopes. Like there were people who thought they were going to be the best team in the East this year. But I think next year with not high expectations coming into the season, I think people are going to project Milwaukee to be better, Boston, Toronto, if, if they keep their guys, Miami. And um, – and he's kind of had it easy. He's kind of had it made for him. Like him and Simmons haven't really had to be held accountable. I think both guys have issues. Ben hasn't worked on his shooting at all. And Embiid hasn't done enough to stay in, in good enough shape. So I think that, uh, yeah, I think Joel is going to be a player that benefits from a new voice, even though I don't think it was Brett Brown's fault. I don't think it was his fault at all. I mean, he was dealt a bad hand in a sense. Um, but yeah, I think either Embiid is going to maximize his potential with the second coach or a second team. But I could talk Philly. That's a whole, that can be a whole I mean, different that's, podcast. That's a, that's, a podcast. that's a podcast all on its own right there. Yep, definitely is. But that concludes your, your mock lottery. Man, I really appreciate you coming on and, and taking time out to share your your thoughts on your lottery i thank you for reaching out to me and when i extended the the opportunity hopefully we can do this again um, whether we have uh, another live mock draft with a group of guys that i did i'd love to get you on and, and just um you know you're an nba draft junkie quote unquote obviously because you know you, you took your time to come out with this big boy out and then you know your stuff you know I mean, there are some people that sent me some stuff and I'm just like, oh, they just read somebody else's board <laughs> or they haven't watched the actual film. They're just kind of going with, you know, whatever. So, um, but yeah, like I said, I appreciate you coming on and hopefully we can have you on again in, in the near future. I'd love to be on uh, another pod and uh, Raphael, thank you so much for having me on. No problem. All right, this is Raphael with NBA Draft Junkies with my special guest, Garrett Lucas, and we're signing out.